0: Excuse me uh can i can i have your guys's attention please um i would really like it if everybody stopped messing around and uh really focused on today's episode um, because it's a good one i hope everybody out there is having a, a fantastic 2016 so far um it's cold right now uh getting ready probably to uh start shed hunting here pretty soon and uh I will. I'm going to have to wear some extra layers because right now it's like negative 25 degrees outside with the wind chill. So uh, I'm glad I'm in my basement talking into a microphone, uh, and I hope you guys are enjoying listening to these podcasts, these gear, these gear related podcasts. Um, according to the feedback that I'm getting, uh, I'm I'm doing uh, so far so good, so to speak. But today we are going to be talking with Gary cornum from easton archery he's been there for 20 years and uh he's gonna gonna fill us in on all things easton related product specs price point company history you know basically what makes a good arrow and what arrow is good for what type of bow hunter so uh i'm gonna stop jaw jacking here and i am going to let you guys get started so enjoy all right, on the phone with me now is Gary Cornum of Eastern Archery. How's it going today, Gary? It's going great. Good, good, good. So um, before we get started, did you get a chance to go out and do any hunting this year?
1: Yeah, I always, uh, always manage to sneak in a few days. Uh, we get real busy in the, in the fall. We do our annual uh, product line introduction in October, and um, and then from there we get ready for the trade show in January, so a lot of times my my hunts, I end up doing more in the spring and summer, but I do uh, manage to sneak out a little bit in the fall when I get a chance, so yeah, yeah, I was able to get out a little bit and try out our products, which I think is important. uh, had had some success, and I just love it. That's what we're about here, you know, and and that's why we make the products we make is because we love those moments in the outdoors.
0: That's a, that's a fact. Now, uh, starting off, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Tell us what you do at Easton and uh, a little bit of company history. Sure thing. I uh, yeah, I'm Gary Cornum, and I uh,
1: I'm the marketing manager here at Easton and I've been, uh, been with the company about 20 years and, um, and been involved in marketing that whole time. And, uh, you know, we run everything here from how our products look, how they're packaged, how, how they're promoted and advertised and, um, websites, everything to do with, uh, with all that stuff. And, um, we weigh in quite a bit too on what products we sell and, uh, and we're trying to you know keep keep our finger on the pulse of the market and our, to provide archers what they need so they can get out and feel confident in in what they when they draw that bow back, whether it be a competitive shooter or, or a bow hunter. So important to be confident when you are ready to take that shot you've been waiting for. So we're uh, we're driven in that regard and then uh company's been company was founded by Doug Easton in nineteen twenty two. So we're now in our 95th year, and uh, for that amount of time, uh, Doug Easton really began the company um, in kind of an interesting way. He was uh, he was a hunter when he was growing up, and uh, he was a gun hunter, and he actually uh, had a shotgun that was leaning next to a car after a hunt one day. It fell over and discharged and actually hit him in the legs. Ooh. And he spent about a year... Uh, In the hospital, recovering from that. While he was in the hospital, a friend gave him a book written by Saxon Pope, and a lot of people would recognize that name as coming from the uh, Pope and Young fame. And uh, this book was written by Saxon Pope, and it was about bows and arrows. And in reading that book, Doug Easton basically taught himself, um, gathered that information that was written in the book, and how to build a bow and arrow. And he went out and did that. Um, when he was out of the hospital, he went and made his own set, and he lived in he was he was living in California at the time, and this is you know back in the early 1900s, and he was uh, out shooting his equipment one day and. Man came up to him and complimented his equipment and said, wow, that's a really good job. Where did you get it? He said, well, I made it. He was really impressed. Turned out that guy was actually Saxon Pope. And <laughs> it was this, yeah, it was this really kind of coincidental thing. That that experience inspired him. He started making equipment, and it was wood arrows and longbows at the time. Making that equipment um in his garage and he started selling it and that's how easton began was basically with with that chain of events and then uh it was through that uh through that through that uh, he was he was a craftsman but through that experience and then later uh as he they got into you know shooting and he really got you know good at being an archer and, and working with tournament archers at the time and whatnot um, he found that, that wood arrows had um, a lot of limitations, and through a, you know, trial and error and his innovation, he came up with the aluminum arrow, which revolutionized tournament archery and then ultimately bow hunting. And then from there, um, his son Jim took over and took the helm of the company, and they got into carbon and started making products out of carbon and aluminum-carbon mixes together, and uh, and from there, you know, Jim really took the company, you know, through the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and into modern into modern bow hunting. And today, the third generation, Greg Easton, is at the helm. And uh, that that legacy that Doug started of innovating products really continues with us today. And, and we're always looking for a way to make a better product. And and the whole reason we dr- you know we do this is we're driven to um, to make the better product, so that when you do what I started out saying, when you do draw your bow back, you have the confidence that that arrow is going to go where you want it to because that's, that's important whether you're shooting for an Olympic gold medal or you're trying to, you know, get some meat to fill the freezer or it's a trophy of a lifetime. You need to be confident when you draw that bow back so you can make that shot. And so instilling that confidence in the shot and in the archer so we can enjoy those breathtaking moments of winning a tournament or, taking some big game with our bow or just having fun. That's why we make the products we do. And that's what,
0: that's what drives us as a company. Perfect. Now, you know, I'm not going to go all the way back to 1922, but I will go back to when you first started at at Easton. Uh, Mm -hmm. You said 20 years there. Uh Tell us a little bit about how, how an arrow changes uh, I know that, you know, uh, technology changes, the way that they're produced changes, the, you know, they can become better produced or the actual makeup and the compounds of, of the bow or the, excuse me, the arrow um, change. What's what's happened over the 20 years that you've been there that has been a significant, um, I guess, significant innovation in the way Easton arrows are made, manufactured or the material that is used to make them?
1: Well, uh, quite a bit actually. Um, when I when I started with the company, uh, aluminum arrows were predominant. Uh, release aids had just kind of started to come in vogue, so there's still a lot of finger shooters out there. And as equipment's and as, as um, you know, the way archers shoot change, we have to we have to make our products match um, what the needs of, the, of of the archers is. And so that you know, you look at that and. And, you know, you go back to that time, we had a lot of aluminum arrows, which um, many, many sizes. And the reason for that was matching an arrow spine, and and that means the stiffness of the arrow through through different arrow sizes or spines, is so important for a finger shooter because you really have to nail the spine down to get that arrow to cycle around the, the riser. And that was what was driving a lot of what we did back at that in those days but but right when I came in, release aids were were coming in the shorter bows overdraws were popular and there was a big change going on at that time. What we found was um, some of our well and, and just just prior to that the, the olympics um in archery they had a, they'd used an aluminum carbon hybrid arrows aluminum core tube with a carbon wrap around the outside. So carbon was coming into play at that point. And what we found is that as people were shooting release aids, they didn't need so many sizes. Uh, Carbon also was coming in because it's a very durable lightweight material and a lot of guys wanted to shoot really fast arrows. And so carbon was, you know, very fewer sizes because release because of the release aid trend and also the carbon from a durability standpoint and a speed standpoint. You guys wanted more bow speed. So that really started evolving and started us down a path of using carbon in a lot of what we make. Um, and uh, the aluminum is still still around primarily on the—they're still a great hunting arrow, and a lot of guys still like to shoot them, but primarily as a targeter, it's still the most accurate uh, and consistent material for for target shooting that we have. So the indoor tournament uh, circuit, especially internationally, they still they still primarily use aluminum. But for the bow hunter, what he needs is he needs um, you know, he needs a, a real a real uh, durable and a and a they like a, a lightweight. So a lot of aerospeed. and the carbon material really lends itself to that.
0: And that was that came in really during the 1990s. Gotcha. So there's there's certain things, and I just talked with a, a bow manufacturer a couple weeks ago. You know, if you if you have a, a shorter brace a brace height, you sacrifice forgiveness. You know, so mm-hmm. a, you know, and then speed. If you have a bigger brace height, is there mm-hmm. a tipping point for arrows where if you Um, you have to sacrifice spine or there's a give and take in, in any type of the, the, the creation of those arrows. Yeah. The trade-offs, you mean things like
1: that. Yeah. When you're trading one thing for another, there is a lot of that, Um, a lot of that going on, particularly with speed, kinetic energy, uh, the amount of of, uh, noise your bow creates there's trade-off. For example, if you shoot a, a fast arrow, you're going to have more bow noise than you will if you shoot a heavier arrow. But there's are some areas that I like to explain to people where there, you actually get a gain without having to do a trade-off. And a lot of what Easton's been doing, you know, going back now, say, 10 years instead of 20 years, we've been moving uh, our archers towards small diameter arrows. And what that allows us to do is... If you can imagine taking a certain amount of material, if you compress it into a smaller diameter, so if you take a tube, an arrow tube is basically a tube, you make a small diameter arrow. you're actually able to make the wall thicker without increasing the overall weight or adding more material because the diameter is smaller, so you can put that carbon in a thicker wall and still have the same amount of arrow speed, but have dur- durability gains. And it also what it tends to do is it the smaller diameter as it flies through the air, there's less friction, like a race car, you know, it's a lower profile. So there's less friction as it flies. So when you when your arrow hits the target, it actually hits with more speed, appreciating a smaller diameter. So there's some gains that we can make by doing that where you don't have to sacrifice speed. You can actually have more kinetic energy and more downrange speed for deeper penetration, better honey performance by doing that. And so there's ways of innovating, but generally speaking there are some trade-offs uh, that that are in the, you know, where you say, hey, I want a faster arrow, but I'm going to have less kinetic energy and more bow noise, you know, than you run in the risk of maybe having an animal jump the string or something like that. There, There's a lot of trade-offs that go on in archery, and we're always looking for, the, you know, the best ways we can to eliminate those and find performance gains without having to, you know, make the archer have to sacrifice some something else in their setup like you're talking about.
0: Gotcha. Now... Um, a question on top of that is, you mentioned a, a smaller diameter, but the walls become thicker. Um, mm-hmm. Does that also, because of the the thickness of the walls, does that also increase the spine of the arrow? That's a great question.
1: Normally, that would be the case. But there's really two things that af- affect the arrow spine in most basic terms. There's other things, but, but for the purposes of discussion, there's a couple things that really affect the arrow spine and uh and one one thing you know listeners or people might not understand well what is that arrow spine a lot of times we call it the size Um, but but the spine is the stiffness of the arrows and in the most basic way of describing it is you need a stiffer spine, you need more stiffness in the arrow for the higher poundage you shoot and your arrow, if you have a, the longer your arrow, you're going to need more arrow stiffness. If you The longer your arrow is, the more flex it will have, so to speak. It's pretty intuitive when you get to that point if you think of it in terms of bow poundage and arrow flex. So the more you bow poundage you shoot or the longer your arrow is, the more stiffness you need to compensate for that. And so we have um when you when you make the wall thicker, yes, it will increase the stiffness of the arrow. But the other thing that controls the stiffness of the arrow is the diameter. And in fact, arrow diameter has a lot more to do with how stiff an arrow is than does the wall thickness. So when you make an arrow large in diameter, you really stiffen it up. And you know, you know, you start going in a larger diameter, it gets stiffer really fast. And if you look at our aluminum line, stiffest arrows you make are these huge you know indoor tournament arrows that are really large in diameter. those are very stiff and so without um by making the arrow smaller um it actually it actually compensates with it by making the wall thicker because you're you're making that arrow smaller in diameter. see so the stiffness of the arrow naturally comes down because of the because of the um uh, the, the uh, just the the physical nature of that of that constru- arrow construction because it's smaller diameter. It's not going to be as stiff. So when you thicken it up, it actually compensates for that. And then there's other things that we do to, to compensate because uh, well, you, you need to have aero stiff enough. So if you make them small, you have to compensate to make them stiff enough. We do that by varying the type of carbon that we use. So there's stiffer carbon and, and weaker carbon depending on what tried what arrow spine we're trying to make. So there's you can control the type of material as well. But the the bottom line is you have to have a certain amount of of spine. But by making it thicker, you can still gain the durability. And we can control the spine. If a guy needs a 300 spine or a 340 spine or a 400 spine, we can make a small diameter and then we we uh, we vary the carbon material to make it so it's the right spine
0: for that shooter to shoot in his bow. Gotcha. So. Maybe I'm wrong in saying this, but if an arrow had, was so stiff that no, there was no arrow flex, is that mm-hmm. the best possible scenario, or do you always want some kind of flex in the arrow as it comes off the bow?
1: Well… There is um the, the there is generally a going stiffer does not uh it's pretty forgiving, especially for the bow hunter. In other words, you could shoot it at a very stiff arrow out of a out of a given bow and it will it will it will shoot well. It will you know, it's much better to do that than have one that flexes too much. The reason you wouldn't do that though is you end up with a product that is sort of overkill for your setup. In other words, you might be shooting a lot more uh, arrow weight than you need because you say you're shooting 60 pounds at 28 inches as an example and you you you, you would look up at our chart and you say well that's a 400 spine we well, could shoot a 340 which is stiffer and you could shoot a 300 which is stiffer still and you could get it to tune out of that setup pretty easily but if you're trying to just optimize your bow you could you can shoot your four hundred, you're not over you're not shooting an arrow that's overweight, so to speak. And you're matching that arrow to your setup. So that's that's the big benefit is, you know, get get enough weight there, but unless there's something else you're trying to do, you're trying to get, you know, you're shooting some big, heavy, thick skinned animal where you're gonna shoot an arrow that's intentionally overspined so you're getting more kinetic energy. Um, Unless you're trying to do something like that, you're just best off to pick the arrow spine that matches your setup, because then it's optimized for arrow speed and everything else, so you're not really
0: going beyond what you need. Gotcha. So what are the downfalls of, let's say, um, a 50-pound bow, and draw whatever whatever draw you want to talk about, a 50-pound bow with an arrow that is way heavier and a stiffer spine than what's recommended. And on the opposite side, what, what's the downfall of a high-powered bow with um, not enough spine in the arrow? Yeah, so with, um,
1: say, when you're underspined, well, one for one thing, your arrow's going to flex too much. And it's going to be difficult to tune that bow. You're going to get, the arrow's going to fly squirrely. It's just, um, yeah, that's the, that's what we try to avoid. We, we, you know, I I always tell people, if you're in doubt, go with a stiffer arrow. It's just, it's stronger. It's just going to be a better setup. It's going to be easier to tune. Guys might push that if they're trying to milk a lot of arrow speed out of their bow. And what that does is it, it creates a lot of bow noise. And in, in terms of, um, Performance uh, that if you that arrow really is um, best if you optimize it, and the reason for that is if you go too light, you're leaving a lot of energy behind in the bow. that's what translates into noise. So I always I always tell people error on the side of going a little too heavy rather than too light. Because you're really absorbing no, more of that air potential energy out of the limbs and delivering it to the target and that's what you want to do. The the um the opposite of that is and say an arrow like you understand, an arrow that's you know overly heavy. Uh really the only downside to that is it can be difficult to tune, but usually not. Uh, the downside to it is your bow is not your arrow speed isn't as fast. However, depending on your shooting situation, you may not need that. So um, you could you'll have a quieter bow, and your your arrow will hit with more kinetic energy. So, uh, but if somebody is looking to increase the, their kinetic energy, what I would what I always suggest is still pick the right arrow spine or stiffness, but just go to a model that has more. Uh, more mass behind it. We have models in our line that that have are heavier, and we have models in our line that are lighter. So, say for a given spine, most common spine for people is a 400. We have arrows in our line that are heavy in a size 400 and lighter in a size 400. So you can still match your arrow spine to your bow, and then you can and then within that you can pick an arrow weight that you that, that's desirable for
0: you. Gotcha. So when the the big brains the engineers everybody sits sits around the round table in a conference room and and they start the process of designing a new arrow what what are some things that they think about when all the topics and categories what are the what are the things that they most focus on um, when it goes into that product creation well At the most fundamental level, we are trying to
1: instill confidence in the archer. And we are trying to maximize the experience for somebody that's a field. That's, that's why we make the products. We make the products in itself aren't, aren't an end. It's those, you know, it's the, the time we get to go out and spend in the tree stand or it's it's the thrill of winning a tournament. Those are the moments that we appreciate because we go out and do that. And the products we make allow us to do that. So that's, that's it in, at the most fundamental level. What we look at is we look at, how can we create more confidence in the shot? And how can we build upon the, the products and the product lines that we've created? How do we how do we ratchet it up, so to speak, and and build upon everything we've learned over the last 95 years to to have a uh, have the ability to uh, to produce a product that will will that when that arrow goes to full draw that that archer feels confident that it's going to accomplish the thing that they they want to do. Sounds good.
0: Sounds good. So now getting into um, some of the some of the scenarios and the specs for uh, hunters. Um, let's let's just talk about whitetail hunting first. Uh, whether it's in a ground blind or it, if they're in a tree stand, is there a rec? And I know spine, spine and stiffness, are uh, spine matters, and uh, depending on what your bow power is, but uh is there is there a recommended arrow that you would recommend for the the standard white tailed tree stand hunter? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um one thing I when I go
1: to when I go out and go to the you know, Deer Classics or when I'm talking to people, I like to I like to listen and and, and uh and gather information and listen to people's questions and and see what their perceptions of, you know, archery and arrows, you know, and look at, listen for those perceptions. And, um, a lot of, there's a, there's a wide variety of, of opinions and desires that I hear. But one, one thing I usually try to steer the typical white hunter, white tail hunter into is, um, a lot, a lot of guys are kind of hung up on arrow speed. Um, and, for most shots in most situations with, with uh, whitetail hunting, the the speed arrow speed really doesn't come into play because we're we're not talking about a huge difference between say a, a, a heavy arrow or or a real light one. There's not a lot of difference in trajectory in most hunting situations when you're talking about whitetail hunting. Uh, but what I think that of most archers uh, I don't say most archers, but a lot of archers leave on the table, so they're they're i I touched on this before is they're leaving a lot of energy in their bow by trying to milk every every foot per second out of their out of their setup. What I tell them is first of all, shoot a small diameter arrow there's what we talked about before is there's no trade off there you can shoot a thicker wall it's going to fly with less wind resistance, so you're going to, you're going to get more downrange speed. And when, once it impacts the target, it's going to go through that target with less friction because of small diameter, so you're going, get, you're going to get better penetration because of that. The other thing I try to steer them toward is a little bit heavier arrow, and here's why. There's, if, you shot an, if you shot a bow with, say, a very light arrow, say it was like, Something that we couldn't even make, like a ten grain arrow. It'd be almost like dry firing your bow. But the bow would be the arrow would be extremely fast. But it would hit with almost no kinetic energy. So that's to put it in into terms that people maybe can understand as, as one extreme, right? So you you got uh you you could have the fastest arrow you could think of. But it would hit with almost no energy. The bow would be extremely noisy because you're leaving so much energy behind. It would almost be like a dry fire. Your bow would probably, maybe even the cables and everything might come off. The other extreme would be is if you took an arrow and you, say, shot something really heavy, like a crowbar, for example, and... It would take almost all the energy out of the bow. The crowbar would fly a few feet and hit the ground, but it would make almost no noise. And the, the string would come down to brace height and basically stop. So that's kind of the two extremes. But the reason I tell people I try to steer them toward a little bit heavier arrow, like our, our full metal jacket line, we've got a little more mass weight with that full metal jacket around the outside of the carbon, is you're you're finding a happy medium between those two extremes. In other words, you're absorbing more of that bow's energy. So you have a quieter shot, there's less chance for that deer to hear the string and the bow go off. So, you know, you don't want that you don't want that deer to jump the string, so the quieter your setup is, the better. And when it hits, it hits harder, it's going to go through bone better and penetrate deeper. You're going to have a quicker recovery, better blood trail. So I try to steer guys toward something a little heavier than they think about. The other thing is white whitetail shots typically aren't real far. And so trying to milk every every foot per second out of your bow to flatten out your trajectory really may not be the best idea because you're not really affecting the trajectory that much in such a short distance. So I I say quieter setup, more kinetic energy, small diameter, the three big things I try to steer the white steer the white help hunter
0: toward. Now is there a is there a particular arrow that meets those criteria? Yeah, the, the the best and our most popular right now. We we have
1: different versions for different and different price points for everybody. So you know, if you're looking at the Eastern line, one great one I I always like to recommend is the Axis. It's an all-carbon arrow. It's small in diameter. It focuses that energy into that smaller diameter, so it, it hits harder. It's a good combination between uh, a speed and a, a good amount of kinetic energy. The, the Archer wants to ramp it up a little bit, Then, or like our 5mm full metal jacket. The 5mm designates the, the inside diameter of that shaft. Axis is a 5mm five, di- five millimeter diameter, we have a 5mm full metal jacket. So it's basically an Axis arrow with a full metal jacket on the outside. Those are great, they have more kinetic energy, they penetrate like gangbusters, and that's what I love to use. And then we've got a 6mm that's brand new this year, um, also so it's a little bit larger in diameter, but the price point is great, a lot of archers are going to find that attractive um, and easy on their wallet. So. They could look at the six millimeter that's brand new this year, and then the guys that want to pull out all the stops and really go for something um that's going to penetrate better than anything we've ever made in our ninety five year history is our four millimeter series We have that in full metal jacket and we have that in the ejection all carbon and that that's our best performing arrow. We learned a lot from the Olympians. They they want to shoot those arrows with very little drag because they have to shoot out to almost 100 yards, so they want to they don't want their arrow speed to drop off way downrange. So we learned from making those products for those Olympians how to make a product that really keeps its kinetic energy, keeps its speed as it flies downrange, and that's the four millimeter line. So we have that in full metal jacket, and we
0: also have that in all carbon. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, what's uh what's take a a trip out west once and let's talk about what does someone who is hunting maybe antelope out in flat wide open plains or up in the mountains with uh, some elk or mule deer
1: yeah that's a that's a really good question so really to uh when, when i'm talking to those guys it's a lot of the advice is the same now there's there's uh antelope or I shot antelope with my bow. They're um, they're when you get up on them they're not very big. You don't need as much kinetic energy for that. You can get away with the lighter arrows, but uh, there's really no need to pull out all the stops there either. You're going to get excellent arrow speed out of something like an axis, and I'd say an axis is probably the ideal arrow for like an antelope. But it, it would work fine for mule deer or elk as well. But it's it's a little bit more speed. Uh, but it's a nice it's a nice balance between speed, kinetic energy, and you're going to get because it is small diameter, five millimeter. You're going to get good good arrow flight in terms of drag through, as it flies through the air. So it's going to it's going to hit downrange with a good amount of speed without without dropping off real fast. Um, the carbon injection is another excellent choice for that situation. It's even smaller, four millimeters, but it's all carbon, so it doesn't have that extra weight uh, that the full metal jacket series has. Now, if I'm going to go for for elk, um, I just think it's you know that the, you can't go wrong with one of our full metal jacket arrows because you know elk's a big animal, heavy bones. They're tough anyway, uh, even when you do hit them in a good spot. They're still they'll still sometimes take off on you and runaways. So the best the best situation is to get full penetration. So you've got you know an entrance hole and an exit wound so that you're getting the best blood trail possible. I've seen and talked to guys where they hit an elk really good, but they still have a long tracking job just because it is such a tough animal. So give yourself every advantage you can, go with a full metal jacket and a small diameter. And four or five millimeter, I'd say it'd be ideal for an animal like that. And, um, and, and then, it's, again, you still have those benefits of a small diameter. So if your shots are a little longer, they do retain energy as they fly downrange. And you're going to hit with plenty of kinetic
0: energy, no matter what, what length the shot is. Gotcha. Now, naturally, you don't just shoot uh, an arrow with a blank tip. You have a broadhead on it when you go hunting. Mm-hmm. Have has Easton ever done any studies of mechanicals or broad or um, fixed broadheads or you know number of blades on a fixed broadhead versus you know like two versus three versus four that affect the flight of the actual arrow? We we haven't done, we've been, we've partnered with uh,
1: broadhead manufacturers, uh, uh, editors and writers that have done studies like that in terms of, you know, we've provided them the products that they need so they can test those things. Broadhead's, broadhead to flight um, really hasn't been a, we're, we're usually focused on the shaft. In other words, we're, you know, there's so many different broadheads, so many different patents out there um, and so many that work well. Usually, it's a uh, comes down to a situation of tuning, and there's a lot of great broadheads on the market now. They've come a long way, where um, they're easier and easier to get to shoot with a, a minimal amount of tuning. And you know, I could enumerate any number of broadheads I've tried, and there's so many good ones on the market today. But um, I, you know, and anecdotally talking to a lot of the bow hunters. Some guys will get be able to get a certain head to fly, and and then another bow bow hunter has trouble with that same broadhead. So there's really no specific uh, information that I have that says you know this type of broadheads you know easier to use or, or gets better arrow flight. It really boils down to how well your bow and arrow system is tuned, depending on the type of head, and and then a lot of the a lot of the mechanicals that are out now, and even some of the fixed blade heads have really gotten to the point where they are much, much easier to tune than they were years ago. Right. And uh, guy can pick up
0: that setup and really get things flying here pretty quick. And then on the back end of the arrow, I think you pretty much answered this, but I'll ask anyway. Is there is there a way for fletching? Because I know there's... several different ways to attach fletchings. Some guys even use four fletchings. Some guys um, put them at a little angle so it creates spin or there's um, straight, straight ahead fletchings. Is there um, a way, I mean, does that, does one of those setups benefit or hurt the, the flight of the arrow, maybe taking away some of the functionality of the arrow? Well, it could. Um, most setups that I see,
1: and you know, when I look and looking at what people are shooting now, are there. There's nothing too extreme that I'm seeing where you re- really say, "Well, stay away from that." Most of the guys are shooting the shorter, higher profile veins today. Drop away rests have really made those easy to easy to set up, and with that situation too, if they want to add a fourth one, they can do that. Um, what you're really doing is, is the arrow spin is good. It's just you know like throwing a, a football and, and putting a spiral on it. It just or a bullet, you know, it flies better when it's spinning. So a, a slight offset arrow arrow will almost always spin even if it, your your uh, your fletch is on there straight. It's not always perfectly straight, and it'll it'll it's flying so fast so it'll create some spin. But generally, a little bit of offset or a heel there is recommended to get that arrow spinning. And um really what you're doing is you're you're creating a little drag at the back end and that what that does is it lines the shaft up with the point. And if you were to imagine say if I tied a if I tied a string to a heavy object, say like a baseball or something like that, and through it, the, the string tends to follow that follow that weight. So your weight up front is your insert and your point, your broadhead or your field point and the shaft will tend to follow that. What you want to do is you want to get that shaft straight behind that point, and that's what the fletching does. And then the spin that it creates also, uh, contributes to the accuracy. So it just lines everything up by having that drag at the back end of the arrow, like a little parachute, think of it that way. And and uh, it just pulls that shaft in behind the point, follows the point to the target, and uh, and then the spin at the same time will help help the accuracy
0: and help everything fly true. Gotcha. So moving into the future, really, where does it, where does an arrow go from where it's at now? What, what kind of innovative process, you know, like in the future, and I'm not talking about heat seeking arrows that will automatically go to the heart, but what, what are, what's the next step for arrows? Maybe, maybe not just from the archery standpoint but from the how they're made standpoint that could potentially make them better than what they already are?
1: Well you know it, I've, I've got enough experience here at East and I would you know when I started here we always think we've kind of come to the we've arrived right and when I started when I started with the company the you know the XX78 aluminum was kind of a thing and we were just getting into the carbon on the hunting side we had our all carbon pc arrows and you know you, w- when you look back at that time you thought well there's nothing what, what more can you do with a tube you know and it's been it's been really fun to be involved with um coming up with it was you know just an innovative idea that just walked through the door like when we did the axis, we rolled that out about 10 years ago that was never even thought of because we felt like the insert was, you know, you 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 can't make an arrow any smaller. Well, the engineers came up with a different type of insert, and not suddenly we had these small arrows with internal components that uh, with the axis. And then at that point we thought, wow, we're, you know, there'll never any, be anything better. And from there we said, hey, you know, let's put a jacket around the outside of an axis, and we came up with a full metal jacket arrow. And, the performance on those is just, if people haven't shot those, they really need to try them. They're so much fun to shoot, and they work so well in the field um, that, you know, anyone that hasn't tried a full metal jacket, I recommend it because they are just so great to shoot. You go, you're practicing, too, in the yard. You shoot them into a foam target. You go over, and they pull so much easier because of that aluminum surface is another side benefit. So that came about, and that was kind of like, you know, came out of left field and, and. uh We didn't see it coming and then you know got together you know brainstormed and there it is and made it and it worked great in the field and then from there we thought well we've we've kind of done everything we can do and then three or four years ago we came out with uh, a new basically a new standard in broadheads field points and inserts that we call deep six and we did that so we can make the arrows even smaller we found in um, developing products for the target market, particularly outdoor shooting where the uh, shots are very, very long, that small diameter is a huge benefit to those guys. When you look at the hunting side of things, we found that a lot of those benefits, a lot of those same benefits of small diameter really benefit the hunter. Uh, faster speed downrange, benefit for the target archer, benefit for the hunter. Wind drift, as the, as you get a side wind uh, is a huge benefit for the target market. It's also a benefit for the hunter because you want to hit as close to the center of vitals as you can. And sometimes the difference between uh, losing an animal or a really long tracking job is it's just an inch or two. I've had it happen to me and just, you know, you're just like, wow, if that shot would have been just a little bit, you know, closer to center of vitals instead of a you know mile long tracking job, we would have been piled up in 30, 40 yards. So um, you want to you want to give yourself every advantage you can, and and so you know having those having those arrows you know be that small diameter where you're you don't have to worry about a crosswind can be important. And then there's the the aspect of the, that the target archer doesn't really have, but the the hunter does benefit from is once that arrow impacts target is it's driving deeper through with less friction because there's very little friction on the outside of that shaft and then you get that exit wound that's a huge benefit so you know I I look at that and I think wow you know to come up with that deep six component we had to go to the broadhead manufacturers and show them what we were doing and they said, yeah, we can make a broadhead with a smaller ferrule that'll fit inside those tiny arrows. So our four millimeter series, we call it the injection or the deep six, we have, and that was an innovation I didn't see coming either. And and so those tiny arrows now, especially the out west guys and the the guys in the east and the white toes are just uh, starting to really get uh, discover it to, as well the benefits of the of the four millimeter series. Um, just phenomenal performance and something that I didn't, I didn't know that we would, you know, ever, who would have ever thought we could come out with a, a different broadhead standard. So when you're shooting the four millimeter series, they have to, they have to shoot the deep six, but that's kind of where we're at today. What we do tomorrow. Can we go smaller? I don't know, but, um, we're, you know, we're looking at stuff all the time and, and, uh, I'm it, having been here and worked, worked here as long as I have, um, I'm confident there's something else great and new and fun will walk through the door. Great.
0: A lot of times in any manufacturing facility, marketing or the the idea people go to the engineers and they say, we want to make this. Go do it. And then the engineers go, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not the, as easy as it sounds. Is there is there a lot of that in the um, in the Aero business? I I think to some degree there could be, but generally
1: you know we we talk to each other we're, we're all on the same team and we're always looking for opportunities, so we have ideas we explore them we talk about the pros and cons, and I don't think it really gets to that. I think I think our our team here is, has the attitude of yeah if we can if we can do it and it's better we'll figure out how it, you know, we'll figure out how to make it happen. So, you know, and, and if it's not, if it's not better, or if it's not uh, feasible, then, you know, our our marketing guys have the same attitude of we recognize limitation or we recognize maybe there's no benefit. And, you know, we look to other projects. So, um, you know, that, I think we, I think we have that good balance here at, at our company is, is, is between everybody's kind of working toward the same thing and and so we don't really have that you know there's not not none of that consternation that or or gap between the the two teams we we feel like you know we're all working together and we
0: all have the same goals gotcha now from a from a price point standpoint um what what are we talking about for let's say just like a a, a dozen a dozen arrows i mean you guys probably range what's the range, and and why, what makes an arrow expensive as opposed to what makes an arrow cheap? Well, that's a great question, because they're, they're, they all tend to look, I mean, if you stand back 10 feet,
1: they all kind of look the same, and um, so what, you know, what should I spend, what what really gauges the quality? Well, one thing that, that, um, that a person can look at is, you know, you could look at a bunch of carbon arrows and say, wow, they all kind of look the same, but uh, there's there's certain level of of, um, of quality that really once you cross that threshold then, then you're into the the game of yeah I'm serious I'm ready to go out and shoot um, ter- material type is it consistent is it weight consistent is it uh, spine consistent and are they are they straight enough that I I'm going to get performance that won't frustrate me so um, when you look at like some of the Real cheap products, you're going to be sacrificing some of those things. Weight, weight consistency, sp- spine or stiffness consistency is important for accuracy, as as is straightness. So, uh, you know, arrows that don't that are are processes that maybe don't meet real stringent standards can you can produce a cheap arrow, and, and you'll notice that in terms of how long it lasts, maybe or or how well it shoots for you, and that could result in frustration and and those kinds of things. So, you know, there's a threshold I think you you cross. I think in terms of price, once you get into we we usually price house in a half dozen pack, and and once you get into you know 50, 60, 70 bucks, right through there, you're you're most likely getting a, a pretty good product. Um, in once you get there, when you get into our highest performance products. You're up around hundred dollars in maybe something like an injection that I was talking about, or four millimeter series. So it's not a huge gap, but um anywhere in between there you're gonna you're gonna find good arrows in our line and and uh we're you know, we're like I was talking to you before about you know Doug Easton originally starting the company in nineteen twenty two. We've been we've we've been fortunate and innovative enough that we've been able to make our arrows since that time here in the United States and we're still doing that. And, you know, I work right here and the factory is right behind me and, and it's always kind of fun to go out and see the machines working and, and making arrows that, that really anything coming out of our plant is going to hit that threshold and be something that somebody could go out and shoot confidently. Gotcha.
0: Well, I tell you what, uh, Gary, thank you very much for taking time and, uh, coming on the show and talking about the products uh i always love the science that that really intrigues me and i i know that it uh intrigues the the listeners as well um if uh people want to find out more about easton uh arrows where should they go and um include your your uh, social media as well
1: yeah we've got we've got instagram facebook uh generally find it at easton archery and eastonarchery.com is our website and all of our product information is there, and we're always putting new new stuff on our our social media site again at easton archery and um you know and same with instagram so you know every day we're putting stuff on there and providing you know all these products that we've been we've been talking about and i I really appreciate the opportunity as you can tell i uh, i got it's just it's kind of a my world is so narrow and focused on just one thing which is arrows but Um, you can tell that I like talking about it and I'm happy, I'm happy to, I'm happy to, I could talk to you about arrows all day long. So (laughs) anytime, uh, that's where my head is, you know, every day, 24 seven as I just thinking about them. And, and so I'm happy to talk about it and I'd be happy to,
0: to do it again sometime. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Next time, uh, next year or whatever, after the ATA show, you guys come out with, uh, something different, different, new, love to have you on and talk about it yeah we'd be we'd be happy to do
1: it and i'm sure we'll have some plenty of new stuff rolling out so i'll be here and uh
0: anytime you uh anytime you want to talk about it out here all right sounds good thanks again you bet uh, I can tell you from experience, I have had that's one thing I have had trouble with in the past, and that is selecting and finding the right arrow for my bow setup. So uh, I actually got some good information out of this. So hopefully you guys did as well. Uh, and uh, after the show, I talked with Gary, and uh, Easton Archery is going to be providing for this week's giveaway or for this giveaway a dozen deep six full metal jacket arrow shafts. Those are uh, uh, I shoot a full metal jacket currently, but not the deep six version of it. Uh, Supposedly these are some badass shafts, so um, all you have to do on this one is share the, uh, it's pretty simple, share the Facebook post then I want you guys to go to Easton Archery's Facebook page and say, Nine Fingers sent me here and uh, let's try to flood their page with uh, a whole bunch of nine-fingered freaks, and uh, nine fingers sent me here, and uh, let them know that uh, you guys enjoyed the podcast, and uh, that will be your entry into the giveaway for the dozen uh, Deep Six Full Metal Jacket Arrows. Again, share the post on Facebook that uh, showcase this podcast just like always and then I want you guys to go directly to the eastern archery Facebook page and comment nine fingers sent me here and we'll see <laughs> see what they say I tell you what guys thanks again for uh, allowing me into your ears uh, every week or every two you know however however many times uh, you listen to this podcast I just want to say thank you. We will uh, continue to put them out as long as you guys are uh, are liking them. And then, you know, make sure you go to iTunes and leave a review or go to Stitcher and leave a review. Let, uh, send me anything you want to talk about. Send me an email, ninefingerchronicles at gmail.com or uh, through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. So uh, thanks again. And until next time, wear the damn safety